Welcome to Schneps Connects. This is Josh Schneps, and today's guest is Dennis M. Walcott. Dennis and I are currently serving on the New York City Districting Commission, where he's chair, and I'm one of the mayoral appointees. The commission's tasked with creating and proposing new boundaries for the city council districts that are reflecting the population shifts from the 2020 census while adhering to a number of city, state, and federal mandates like the protections of the Federal Voting Rights Act. There's a tremendous amount of consideration and community input when you have 8.8 million people divided into 51 districts, which came to approximately 173,000 residents for each district. And when those districts are redrawn, you can only deviate about 5% from that original number. Last month, the New York City Districting Commission released a preliminary set of draft lines that could form the basis for the city's 51 districts, which is currently going through rounds of community feedback. The commission's final plan has to be submitted to the city clerk by February 7th, 2023. The commission is made up of 15 members, including seven mayoral appointees, five city council Democratic majority appointees, and three of the city council's Republican minority appointees. But in addition to chairing the commission, Dennis's real day job is the president and CEO of Queens Public Library. He's also a former chancellor of the New York City public school system and was deputy mayor under Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Welcome, Dennis. Thanks so much for taking the time here. Thanks, Josh. And the same to you. Thank you for taking the time of being a member of the commission. It's an important task and it's going to be always fascinating as far as the feedback we get. We look forward to having a lot of feedback. So that's why this is so important in getting the information out to the public. Absolutely. You know, it's been a, such an interesting process being on the commission because you get to see so much data related to people uh, you know, who live in New York City, particularly around demographics. So I'd love for you maybe just to give a broad-based picture of the redistricting plan and the commission and and really what the redistricting means for New Yorkers. Sure, so you touched on this, but I just wanna amplify, I think the challenge in front of us and that since the last census, New York City has grown and grown tremendously. And an example I always like to give is, think about the city of Memphis, the entire city of Memphis. The city of Memphis is roughly 630,000 people. And that's how many people have moved into New York over the last 10 years. That's a major, major increase in our population. And in addition to that major increase in numbers, the demographic patterns have shifted as well. And so you see more Asian Americans who are located in New York City, more who are Hispanic, fewer whites and fewer blacks, and neighborhoods have changed. And we have a responsibility as a commission to both hear the public and make sure that we use the data to inform our decision-making. And that's what we're about to do and what we've been doing. As you indicated, we released the preliminary maps last month. And as a result of that, we've been getting a ton of feedback, uh, both good and bad. And people have a right to give us their opinion. And then what we've done, which is a little bit different, I think, than the last commission 10 years ago, we now have the ability of more social media than ever before. And mm -hmm. as a result of social media, the able, people able to have the input into the process people able to testify virtually. So again, we've been able to try to stay up to date as far as the times, but find ways to make sure the public is engaged in so many different ways. 
Yeah, it's quite fascinating because we did hearings in the beginning and, you know, obviously people can attend those in person, but all of them allowed people to uh, connect through Zoom, which really changed the ability and accessibility, I think, of people to be involved. The other thing is the website is tremendously interactive. So I don't know if you can touch you know, a little bit on people's ability to see the data and interact with the data, because I think that's, that's something that's pretty important for people to be aware of. Well, obviously, in your business as well, communication is so important in getting information out. And the website has been able to do that. And as a result of that, people can go to newyorkcity.gov slash districting and get information. Uh, people can testify also. Uh, and they can go to public testimony at redistricting.nyc.gov. But also, I think the beauty of the time we're living in right now, people can use what's called District R and formulate their own maps and submit their own maps. And so the public has an opportunity to both to have the input in map drawing, but also to give public testimony, to see what's happening as far as the latest maps that are out there. And to date, since we published the preliminary draft, we've had over a thousand people take a look at the maps and make comments. And it's really been a fascinating process. And that's the goal that we're trying to achieve. Uh, this coming Thursday, we are able to have our expert in racial block voting uh, talk to the commissioners. But also what we've done is built in the ability for the public to hear the discussion as well. And that to me is so important because as you know, we have certain things that we have to follow. We have to follow uh, the constitution, one person, one vote. We have to follow the New York City Charter. Uh, we have to follow the Voting Rights Act and put all that together and as you laid out in the opening, stay within a certain population level within the districts. The number of city council districts is not changing. It's gonna be 51, but the internal part of the district as a result of the increase in the population will be changing. And so all those factors go into the decision-making. And as you know, and as we've been doing, it's based on data, it's based on information. It's not based on party or where an elected official currently lives. We don't even pay attention to that. It's based on raw data and trying to make sure we find that appropriate balance in adhering to what the charter requires, as well as Voting Rights Act. Yeah, you know, I found it very interesting because at one of our hearings, when we released the first uh, set of plans, one of the first questions from the media was, well, you know, what do you think about this from for this politician? And, you know, I thought your response was right on is that this we don't take into consideration politics, but we take right. into consideration the statistics of the demographics and the feedback that we received from the community to date. Which can include, Josh, which can include elected officials. I mean, one of it's one thing to respond to the politics, but it's one thing to make sure we have the input from elected officials. And so we've been encouraging that. And our outstanding staff, they've been going out and having people uh, come to the offices. They've been meeting with the various city council delegations as well. And we want their input. We want the elected officials' input. We want their feedback. We want the public's feedback. Uh, the elected officials are part of the public. And that we do encourage. And so I think it's finding that balance of making sure we get the input, but also paying attention to the data and where the data takes us. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's a great lesson for, for myself personally being involved, but I do think it's important for people to also recognize that this is a very transparent process 
that allows everyone to give input. So, you know, people have to realize that there's a, an opportunity here for them to be involved. And like you said, I think just by visiting the website and by looking at the maps and realizing that they can submit their own feelings, feedback, and opinions, that that's welcome. You know, the other thing is also that I'll speak for me. I've learned, even though I know New York City, I mean, what we're getting into is really knowing New York City, mm. various neighborhoods and the feelings of different individuals who live in those neighborhoods. And that's what the first round of hearings, at least for me, uh, opened my eyes to areas in the Bronx that I wasn't as familiar with or areas in uh, Staten Island or Queens even, and what it actually means for the people who live in those areas. And so it's putting the pieces together to try to find both the balance of what we need to do, but also incorporating what people are saying to us. And I, I used an example once when I was talking to someone who owns a restaurant. And I said, imagine you've had a customer that's come in for 10 years straight and lived in, eat in that restaurant and they know their table. That table is right in the area where they need it to be. And they're used to it. It's part of their pattern. And then something happens where the rules are changed and the table has to be shifted into another area. Well, that customer is going to be upset at times, unless it's in a better location. And that's what we're dealing with, multiplying that across 8.8 .8 million people and an increase of 630,000 people. People have been used to the last 10 years of how their city council district has been, and the elected officials have been as well. And we have a responsibility with this significant increase to look at the lines, appropriately follow the letter of the law, but at the same time, knowing that uh, we have a responsibility to be transparent and get information out to the public and get their feedback as well. You know, I don't know if you have thoughts in terms of the first draft that we released recently, but I, you know, just a couple of the bullet points that I think about in terms of communicating to people is one that the initial draft had Staten Island um, whole districts represented for the borough of Staten Island, where in the past it was split between South Brooklyn and Staten Island. So the district covered two boroughs. And then, you know, the growth of the Asian community in New York City really was tremendous based on that 2020 census, where we were able to, based on those demographics, create a district in South Brooklyn that lies the majority of the Asian population. But was there anything else that stood out for you in terms of, you know, certain districts that were created and or structured? Yeah, it's interesting because with, say, Staten Island as an example, I think in the last districting commission, with the last districting commission, they were able to have all of the councilmanic districts basically in Staten Island. And that was part of uh, what we had to focus on. And then, as you indicated, the tremendous growth in the Asian American community, especially in certain neighborhoods, and what we'll hear about from our expert around the Asian Opportunity uh, District that was created, Asian American Opportunity District. But to your question, there's, I guess, two names that stand out to me that I heard over and over and over again, which was an education for me. Van Nest, uh, up in the Bronx. We heard a lot of people talking about the Van Ness neighborhood. And I wasn't as familiar, and that was really an education for me as far as listening to what people were saying. And I think polo grounds and people had the impression that we were going to do certain things uh, around the polo grounds and the district 
surrounding that. And I think people were able to articulate their views as far as what they felt was important in their local neighborhood. And we had some elected officials that came out as well that talked about their particular areas. Uh, I'm anticipating we'll see, if not all, significant more uh, elected officials coming out to testify about their feelings as well. And that's what we want. We want the elected officials, we want the public, we want people to come out and talk about the strengths. And then we have the challenge of putting it all together again and analyzing the preliminary draft, as you talked about, and then taking a look at the lines. We have uh, official map draws as well, and really working with them. And I think the commissioners have been outstanding and really taking a deep look at not just the areas that they're coming from, but the areas that represent the entire city and how we pull all that together, I think is going to be unique and it's important. And as you indicated, we have timelines that we have to follow as well. And so we have to be very clear in following the appropriate timelines to make sure that we are able to get it to the city clerk in time. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting because even, you know, with our local media, you always feel that there's a small group of very active community residents. And I think one of the the biggest lessons for people to realize is that change can be made. You really just have to make your voice heard. I think getting people to participate in these sessions that we'll be holding for, you know, feedback is just critical for people to understand that your voice is heard and certainly is taken into consideration for the work that we're doing. How can people find out about the upcoming sessions that are going to be providing feedback for the community? So they can go to New York City or nyc.gov slash districting, nyc.gov slash districting. And the public schedule is up there with the locations. We made a slight adjustment in that uh, we moved it to start later. So we'll start at 5.30 and I think go to 9 o'clock. They were also doing one on a Sunday as well. And so that's to try to accommodate the feedback we receive from yes. the public and commissioners as far as having later start time and then incorporate a weekend as well. And that starts uh, the 16th. So we're excited about that. And then what we did, a little in the weeds type of thing that we did, but I think it's important as well in that from a commissioner point of view, as long as we have enough of the commissioners in person to constitute a forum, then other commissioners who may have other challenges that they're balancing as well can be involved virtually. And so that gives the commissioners an opportunity to both be obviously in person, but also virtual. And that's important because all of us need to hear what's going on. And the other thing I have to give uh, really a lot of kudos to is I think the hard work of the commissioners. The commissioners are volunteers and they stepped into something that I think all of us knew would be a very unique challenge to face. (laughs) To facing that challenge. And I think the staff, we have to view as a startup organization as well, and that they really didn't know each other. Some knew each other, but most did not. And they came together and they're working very hard. Uh, and our executive director, Dr. John Flateau, has been in charge and working with folks who are very committed to this process. So all of that has come together since March, basically. And it's been a fascinating process, but we're about now increasing it even more so to make sure we get more of the public involved, as well as get information out. Because as we indicate, and we've said over and over again, what was submitted in July is a preliminary draft. And our goal is to make sure we follow the timeline, listen to the people, not get involved in the politics, but be very respectful 
of the neighborhoods and hearing from people who are both regular citizens as well as our elected officials who are also regular citizens and getting all that into the discussion process. Well, like I mentioned, Dennis, you know, you're the chair of the commission and playing the leadership role here. And you've played a lot of leadership roles throughout, you know, really your career, a lot with the city now serving as the head of the, the Queens Public Library. You know, when you first took over the Queens Public Library, I'll never forget when me and my mom came to visit you at the main branch, which is the, the Jamaica branch. And they said, right over here, you know, he'll be right over. And it basically was in the middle of the branch. You had basically a desk, literally in the middle of the branch. And I thought for me, it really opened up my eyes in terms of, you know, the message that that probably sent not just to uh, the staff of the library, but everyone that goes into the library. And I'd love you to just maybe share a little antidote of your career in terms of your thought when it comes to leadership. Because I think so, you're so well respected, honestly, and, you know, always calm and uh, have a great demeanor. And I just, you know, it, it, that had a lasting impact, honestly, on me in terms of just how to think about being a leader. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And I got to share, smile you, so I have to share the story in that first people thought it was a publicity stunt, just having my desk on the floor. And once folks saw that it was real pandemic aside, of course, then got feedback. And the goal was to be both accessible, but also to get feedback. And so the interesting question I always pose to people is, you know, what do you think the number one piece of feedback I received from the customers who came in? And people say, well, more books, we want this as far as material. And it wasn't that at all. It was that the bathroom needs to be cleaned more. And mm-hmm really focused on the importance of bathroom because we're an open democratic institution. We don't card you coming in. We don't ask your background. And we want folks to use the library. And so as a result of that, we increased the rotation of the cleaning of the bathroom from, I'm making this number up now, but two hours, say every two hours, every hour and a half or hour and 15 minutes. And it eliminated the complaints, at least that I got. And getting that type of feedback is always important for any institution and being accessible and knowing there's going to be both good feedback and bad feedback. And that's what part of leadership is, making tough decisions and knowing that at times you're going to get pluses and minuses. And that to me has always been the way. And you know, people thought that I created the desk on the floor as a result of my time with Michael Bloomberg and the open bullpen setup that we had. And that was a part of it. But I was never an office guy. I, mean, I was never one to be in a confined office. I need to be out and about. I need to be on the floor. I need to be around. And that to me is so important. I, when I was chancellor, I remember when I first started, we had our meetings at public schools. I would imagine they still do. And you're up on the stage and you come out from the back of the stage and you're there, the public's in the seats in the auditorium. But from the first time I started until I left, when we had our public meetings, our panel of education policy meetings, I always came back from the back of the auditorium. Because I mean, I knew a lot of the people. I knew them from my lives or the current life I had at that time. And even though they may have been angry at me around a particular policy or angry at the Department of Education, it should never allow me to say, I want to hide from you and not be accessible to you and sit down and the audience in uh, kibitz with them and talk about the issues before the meeting started. Then once the meeting started, of course, 
you're up on stage with the other panel members and staff. But to me, that is so, so important. When I was with the mayor, and I used to love community parades because you're right in the heart of the community. You mm-hmm. hear what's going on. What better way to learn the city of New York than going to the local parades? I remember, I won't identify which borough, I remember going to a parade one time and you know, I was driving myself and I was going to park over to the side so I could march. And so the police officers stopped me from going in. I said, it's okay, no problem. I said, but I'm deputy mayor. And so they said, deputy mayor of what city? And I said, <laughs> okay. Uh, but, you know, I got there and marched and great. But that type of accessibility, the ability to interact, be respectful, as you said, calm, hopefully analyzing things and then making decisions to me is an important part of leadership. It's a great lesson. And, you know, you really are leading a terrific institution, the Queens Library. I think we're going to need another podcast episode to talk about that. Oh, yeah. I love us. We do. I mean, we just had our dance party in conjunction with other organizations and we were all over the place and people dancing based on the library's interests. And it was great. I mean, being, you know, not to take a lot of time, but Finding that balance now, this past weekend for us was a good weekend because we were out in the streets a lot, but also trying to be safe as well and making sure that we as a library are not just inside the building, but we're out in the public and finding that balance in still a COVID era and pandemic going on is something we have to be very conscious of, and especially with all the heat uh, that's taking place in humidity. So heat as far as the temperature is concerned. So, I mean, it's been a for us, a decent summer and getting back out in the streets, doing community events. We've had food pantry programs in conjunction with the food program as well at several of our libraries. So finding that balance to me is so important. The library does a lot more than just give out and borrow in books. I'll tell you that. It's a great institution. Uh, not the library I grew up with. It's a totally different library. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you have a lot on your plate, um, but it was great to be able to share a little bit more details on redistricting and hopefully get more people involved. Josh, thank you to you for being a member and being a very engaged member as well. And thank you for having me here today. And my best to your family. Thank you so much. Look forward Thanks, to seeing you soon. Same here, man. All the best. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com.